Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, Blog Talk listeners. Uh, good afternoon. It's Saturday, September the 25th, and you're tuned in to the Legally Still Show with S.E. Day. Uh, thank you for tuning in. It's been great. It's been fun over the weeks. You've been calling in and giving me your information, requesting information. A lot of people are interested in this topic. Um, we have some we have some really good things that are happening. This week is going to be um, really interesting for the Legally Steel Show. From a local standpoint, we are talking with a major credit union. And those of you who don't know, I am a um, extremely big proponent of credit unions. And last week I ended the show talking about the credit union industry. And those of you who want to, if you're going to buy a vehicle, then you need to actually get everything pre-approved before you go to the dealership. And, of course, I suggested getting with a credit union if you're not with a credit union. Credit unions can offer you a better rate. Plus, the big thing about credit unions, credit unions are member-owned Um so you're not dealing with shareholders, you're dealing with members. And with that being the case, they are willing to give you a better interest rate than you would on uh, going to a traditional bank or most times going to the actual dealership. Because at the dealership, now, let me let me give this disclaimer. A lot of dealerships will allow uh, coming from the manufacturers because that's how they're actually processing the loans, but they will do things based on what the manufacturer says. And, of course, they will shop your loan like anybody else will, but if you go to them, sometimes the manufacturer rates can be better for the consumer. Now, of course, this is the consumer with extremely perfect credit in most cases that you can get 0% APR, um, or different things like that. So you have to look at the look at the dealership on a case by case basis. But of course, back to the credit unions and the things that we're looking at doing. We're talking to a major credit union here in the Tampa area this week, and if things go well, which those are my plans for them to go well, then we're going to. Um, work on the National Credit Union Administration and Credit Union National Association, CUNA, of seeing if we can put the book, the product, into the market stream for its members uh, to be able to you know, get a gift or by coming on board. So we're working on some things. I'll tell you more about it next week as everything pans out. Um, financial literacy is something that I have been into for the, I would say, the last 10 years and really got deeper into financial literacy and the and the, the emphasis of what financial literacy or lack of financial literacy has done to our communities. And this doesn't make it – financial literacy goes across racial lines. It really doesn't matter what race you are. If you do not understand financing and, and how – money works, you will get in trouble. It's just a known fact. 
if you're depending on putting your money into some type of investment tool and turning it for your money to make money for you, well, the, at the very least, you need to understand some some basic principles, uh, basic core uh, rules when it comes to financing. Well, of course, most of us know we'll go to school in your college prep high schools. They will deal with algebra and different equations, but one of the things that they most high schools don't deal with is financial literacy. It's sad when a person will come out of high school and go into college and really they don't understand uh, financing or how interest works, how their, how their credit card works. Um, but you will find in today's society that uh, credit card debt is number two on the list of debt issues, but we don't understand how credit cards work. I got my first lesson in credit cards. I was 20, 19 years old. I graduated high school, and I was going to Mississippi State at the time, and I had a Sears charge card. And that's when I got my first lesson of what interest rate and compounded interest rate uh, really meant, and that's one of the things that we're going to dig deeper into today, simple interest and compounded interest, um, not only when it comes to buying a vehicle, but when it comes to credit cards, purchasing anything that you're going to finance. Uh, we're going to dig deeper into that. But back to my story, as I had a I had a Sears card at the time, and it had a $700 balance on it. And back in the day, we're talking about back in the 80s, the late 80s, where your monthly payment, the only required monthly payment, was about $10. Now, who can't afford to pay $10 a month to have, you know, a $700 balance or, or credit limit on their on their charge card? And it was Sears. Hey, it was a way to build credit right. Well, after I started doing the calculations and I realized after I had charged the balance almost $700, had charged the entire amount, I realized that at paying $10 a month, I would have to pay that for 15 years to pay off that $700 balance, and that was adding nothing to it additionally because one of the things that I didn't understand was the annual percentage rate and compounded interest. So out of each $10 a month that I would pay towards my Sears card, only $2.18 was going towards the principal. The other $7 and, what is that, 82 cents was going towards interest. So Sears was loving me. Now, imagine if you put 100,000 users of a Sears card and they're only paying $10 a month because they don't understand how annual percentage rates work or compounded interest, Sears was making a lot of money, a lot of money off of my ignorance. And I definitely, when I say ignorance, I want to talk about this in a very positive light, but when you are not financially, financially literate, you are financially illiterate. And we all know what illiteracy does to our communities, to our ways of life. And having that behind me or in front of me, should I say, at that time, 
did not understand it, but now I do. So over the last 10 years, especially dealing with uh, the credit unions, my when I started my master's, my program or my thesis or project was to, to create a community development credit union. Now, prior to that, I had, I had completed three years of board management, board operations for credit unions, so I understood it inside out from a management standpoint uh, or from a governing body standpoint. But after I started my thesis, I actually started working from the inside. So I know both, both realms of credit union, from the governance to the management and operations of it. And one of the things that we realized was that the credit union movement was truly on a path to educate the members. Unlike banks, and, and you will find that banks, back when Clinton was in office, Bill Clinton was in office, um, the banks actually did a did a charge to pretty much hold or halt operations for credit unions because they realized how powerful the credit union movement was because it's a it's a it's truly a communal system it deals with the individuals within a community and it helps grow the individuals uh one individual at a time and once again you're dealing with share uh, members member owner member holders of the shares and so it's it's really in favor of the member and not a shareholder who you know will invest in in the bank say for instance bank of america its shareholders are getting paid off of the money that they're making well that does nothing for the customers versus a credit union that money goes back into dividends for the credit union member and it it actually strengthens strengthens the credit union as well as the members, making them credit worthy, um, financially literate individuals within a community. So we realized that a lot of people did not have the wherewithal of what they needed from a literary standpoint, and that was our mission to actually train and teach individuals. Um, not only about the basic things of, of checking account or you know simple interest or compounded interest, but also about investing, making them a little bit more financially savvy when it came to making investments. So I tell you all of this because, as I as I've been mentioning over the previous shows, we're going into a transition with the legally still show, and the transition is going to be truly making people aware of things that are happening. Now, this week, um, I didn't schedule any callers or, or guests for the show, and I did that on purpose because I wanted to talk to you and prep you of the direction that we're going to go as the show progresses. Um, next week, I have, a, I have a very dear friend who will be our guest on the show, and she is, she's a financial writer. Actually, she and I will be working on um, a co-author standpoint of my next book coming out for our eyes only, the things they don't want us to know. And when I say that, you know, put any type of inferences you want on it, but when I say for our eyes only, I'm talking about consumers, the, the American consumer, 
and the things that they don't want us to know, and the, and the, the proverbial they would be Wall Street, um, the, the, the keepers of the gate, the keepers of the money, the keepers of the finance industry. And it's going to delve into a number of issues that we as daily consumers live with and live by and must adhere to to survive. So um, her name is, is, is Anna Ribeiro, and she will be our guest for next week. And, of course, as always, we want you to call in or send us an email. Of course, the call-in number is uh, 347-637-1008. Press 1 so we'll know you're there. And, of course, send us an email at the show at legallysteal.info. That's the show at legallysteal.info. So we're going to talk about starting into this whole financial trek so we can become smarter and savvy investors and, 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 and purchasers as we move along in our lives. Um, if you are not aware, unless, you know, the only way you're not, you must be living under a rock or on a uh, deserted island with no forms of communication on it. But our world is changing, and it's changing in front of us. Um, big, big, big business is no longer there. I had a conversation with a gentleman this week, and he was his business is concentrated on startups, helping entrepreneurs get a foothold, and that's from helping individuals, single individuals who are now out of work, who may have been out of work two, three years. These people have great ideas, but they have no direction to go in because they've been working for somebody 10, 15, 20 years. Well, those days are gone. Uh, the average time on a job now is about five years, and employers are expecting you to move on to another one. But that's stuff that we'll talk about later. But the whole point of what I'm saying is you have to become savvy and smarter in the world that we're living in today. If you don't, if you still live by antiquated means and antiquated thought processes, you're going to fall behind. And falling behind, there's another generation that's ready to step up and take the plate or take the helm. And if you're not abreast with what's happening, you will fall behind, and it will cost you more to try to get ahead. Now, months ago I started talking about interest rates. And, you know, we did a culmination of everything, of looking at the car and negotiating the prices and dealing with the credit. Last week we had a gentleman on talking about credit. So we had several things that we were dealing with, but now we're actually walking into the finance office. Credit is in place. The negotiating for the vehicle, we've come down to a price. Now we're actually in the credit office. Well, one of the things that you need to understand is the interest rate that you're going to receive. If I say to you that you have a, let's say that, you know, $18,000 car that I love so much, I know you can't find it, uh, I tell you what, we can even change that amount on that car. But let's deal with the $18,000 car. You want to go in and you want to buy this car, and because of your credit, you had a decent credit score, let's say a 650 or better, and... You're told by the finance manager that we got you approved at 
Now, of course, I've been teaching you you can negotiate that. But let's say they said you we're offering you a 9.75%. You're a savvy negotiator, so you negotiate the price down or the interest rate down to 7.75%. On an $18,000 car, you're going to finance it for five years. Your interest rate on that car can be either $69.75, that's $6,975, or your interest rate can be $8,143. You may be asking yourself, how, okay, if it's 7.75% APR on, on, on $18,000 for five years, how can the interest rates be different? Well, it's very simple. You can either have simple interest or you can have compound interest. Now, compound interest, compound interest is something that, is used from an investment standpoint. This is what you want to get when you're investing money. You want to make sure that your interest is compounded uh, at the minimum, at the very minimum, annually. It would be great if you could find a, 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 um, a tool or an instrument that would compound interest monthly. That would be great. And basically the way compound interest works, well, let me go back to simple interest. Simple interest works by taking the interest rate the quoted interest rate, and multiplying it by the total amount of 18000 So if you do that, you're going to come up with um, $6,975. That's over five years. Simple interest, you can take that $6,975 and divide it by five. That's five years. So you're 60 months, you're five years. And you will come up with an amount of $1,395 per year. It stays the same for every year, $1,395 for every year, those five years. Add that together, that's where you'll get your, your $6,975. Now, you'll take your, your total amount for your car payment or car note, total amount, which would be $18,000, and you can divide that by five, That'll give you those five years or 12 months in each year. Uh, you'll come up to be $3,600. You add that times your $1,395, and that gives you your amount for that year. Okay? That gives you $4,995 for that year. You divide that by 12, that'll give you a, a monthly payment of $416.25. That payment is going to stay the same for the first year, the second year, on throughout the fifth year. That's your simple interest, the same interest rate every year. Now, compound interest works a little different. Compound interest takes the interest rate for the first year and will add it to the principal. Now you will calculate your interest rate for the second year based on the interest rate for the first year and the principal, so forth and so on. When it comes to your third year, you will multiply the interest rate for the third year plus the principal and interest rate for your second and third year, second, first and second year. That's how you get compound interest. Now, compound interest on a car loan is something you want to stay away from because uh, the dealer will actually make more money 
on you. And this is not just a dealer. This is anything that you will do. Anytime that you're doing any type of, of financing long term, be it revolving or installment, uh, credit card, car loan, mortgage, if you finance your furniture, if you do wash and dryer, it does not make a difference. It does not make a difference. You want to make sure that you're getting simple interest. If you get compound interest, you're going to pay a whole lot more money for the same product because the interest is what you're paying. And most time when you pay the note, they're receiving the interest up front. Um, I think I told you that if you look at, a, uh, for instance, a amortization table, and most of you who have Mac computers, not Mac, PC computers, um, most of your programs on your computer, um, those with your operating systems came pre-installed. Most of them will have a, uh, a an application called Microsoft Works. If you go into Microsoft Works and look in your template, you can go under, look under your home loans and finances or financial worksheets, and you can put this stuff in. Or of course, you can go to the internet. Look up central, simple interest calculator or compound interest calculator, and you can put your numbers in there and figure out stuff before you actually go to the dealership. And a lot of dealerships' website will have it on there, especially if they're trying to do the financing at the dealership. But these are things that you want to be aware of when you walk into the dealership. Making you a smarter consumer is my goal because when you become a smarter consumer, you will learn to put stuff back. You will learn to cut corners wherever you can and still maximize uh, the benefit that you're receiving for the product that you're getting. So these are things that you have to be very, very extremely careful of. Remember I said in the last 15 minutes of the dealership is where you lose most of your money. So understanding how simple interest works on the loan versus how compound interest works. And if you don't ask, they won't tell. So these are things that you have to put in play and understand before you ever even step foot into the dealership because they will not tell you the things that you need to know. This week I had a, I had a question, and this is how, just to let you know, how the show is starting to transition because I knew when I started this that we were going to transition uh, into a number of issues issues that people care about and that people want to know. And I knew that, you know, we were going to get into other questions about different things, and those of you that have been following the show, you've been hearing people call in and, and ask about different things. Um, so we had a lady uh, write in through the on the show email about a credit card. She had a credit card question. And, you know, if I have a credit card with a low interest rate, should I close my other credit cards with high interest rates? Well, to answer that question, we're going to have to deal with credit as well as closing those those credit cards. Um, with the way credit works, if you close out a credit card, have an open interest, uh, open balance on your credit card, and you close your credit card out, that can signify that you can't handle your debt load. That can actually lower your credit score by closing out your credit card, regardless of whatever the interest rate is. That can, that can actually hurt your credit. But one of the things that you can do is 
you can transfer your balance of the high-interest credit card to a low-interest credit card that's pending you check out the the um, information that came along with the credit card as far as what you can and can't do, um, the, 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 the financial rules that go along with that credit card. If they will allow you to do a balance transfer of a lower amount and maintain that low balance or the low interest rate on that balance throughout paying that amount off, then it's a smart move to transfer it, but do not close out the credit card yet. Now, in once you transfer that balance, you're going to have a credit card with an open limit, okay, back to where you were, up to the max amount balance on there. And it's brand new. So you, you have, if it's a $5,000 credit card limit, you're going to have $5,000 worth of credit that you can use. My suggestion of what you should do once you transfer that balance is contact, contact the credit card provider. And instead of closing your credit card, ask them to reduce the amount of your credit limit. So if it's $5,000, ask them to reduce that amount to $2,000. So you still have the benefit of having that on your credit card, but what you're doing is you're reducing your credit liability or credit risk that you could get by charging up to $5,000. If they reduce it down to $2,000 or down to $1,500, now what you're doing is you're getting a $3,500 cap taken off or reduction in the amount of your credit limit. But what it does for you is it lowers the risk amount. So when a, a potential uh, credit provider looks at your credit report, they will see that, okay, instead of a $5,000 limit on this credit card where you can get into trouble, you only have a $1,500 limit. So you, can't, you won't close it out. You just reduce the credit limit, which doesn't hurt your credit report. It actually makes your credit report stronger because you have less propensity to charge up an amount that you may not be able to pay off. So those are things that you want to be very cognizant of, of when you're dealing with credit cards. And it's just a little doing a little research, listening in to to financial gurus or financial advisors, and learning not to live on credit, even though that's where we are. You know, one of the things that I've been predicting for years is that our money as we know it is going to disappear. Um, I don't know if you know, but just delving into the credit realm, Apple. You have to buy every every piece of electronic that Apple sells, you have to have a credit card or a debit card. They used to sell it cash, and that may be some still some distributors uh, who are selling it cash to individuals, but they want you to have some form of plastic. Why? Because they are tracking who's using or who's buying their products. Well, they're not going to be the only one. Matter of fact, they're not the only one now. It's spreading. But the more that they become more credit savvy and, and, and track your movement, cash becomes a liability. Cash, if you're carrying cash around, well, you know, you can get in trouble with cash. People will rob you. You know, you stick it under your, under your mattress and your house catch on fire, God forbid. It burns up all your cash. Now you're at zero. But with credit, and the tracking of credit, you will be able to, you know, 
have have that that available limit there, but you won't have the cash. So I I truly believe that cash is going to fade away, and credit will be the only thing that that we are that will have a a a picture of who we are because with that I can I can profile you as a consumer. I know what you buy. I know how you spend. I know what to offer you. So those of you that are walking around with credit cards in your pocket, beware. Understand what you have in your pocket when you're using it, um, and know that every movement that you make, you're being tracked. Consumers or companies want to know how you spend and what you spend it on. So you have to be careful there. I had another question of a young lady. She says, you know, she's 18 years old, do not have a checking account in her name. Should she open one with a credit union or a bank, and why? Well, I know you've been hearing me talk about credit unions and how I'm a big supporter of credit unions. Um, I would suggest to the young lady, you open it up, open up one at both. Open up a a checking account at a credit union as well as a bank. See, I want you to understand that when I talk about banks, I don't want to make banks out to be, even though, you know, when I say this, a lot of people are still sore and going to be sore for years to come about Wall Street and what the banks did and what we did uh, as consumers to bail out the banks that, you know, pretty much after they got our money, made money on our money, they looked back at us and said, thanks but no thanks, I'm not giving you anything, but thanks for letting me use your money. But in building up, remember, we are in a credit-based society. So in building up your credit, you're going to have to have bank availability. So plugging yourself in with a bank as well as a credit union makes you stronger. Now, in most areas, banks operate on what we call a uh, track, a medium income track. So if, 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 for instance, that community does not have the medium or median income, medium income, banks will leave that area. So if you're looking for, you know, something from an impoverished or you're in, you're in, a, in a community where, um, I tell you what, a good way to look at it is if you go to a community and you see a lot of banks there, you know that the, that the residents in that area are living on a medium or higher income track. Otherwise, banks wouldn't be there. Credit unions will normally be in areas that banks may not be in. They will definitely be in areas with banks, but they will be in areas that banks don't support. And one of the things that I did when I was in the Atlanta market is I talked with one of the one of the major banks there when we were actually setting up the credit union about coming in and partnering with the credit union. Now, a lot of people said, dude, you're crazy. Why would a bank partner with a credit union? Banks want to actually shut down credit unions, get them out of the way. Well, here's the deal. Under something, it's called the Community Reinvestment Act. Banks, if you didn't know it, banks within your community have to put money back into the community because if they don't show that they're giving to the community, then a number of things can happen to banks on the federal level. Their interest rates of borrowing money can be higher, okay? And this is through the Federal Reserve. So 
So banks have to put money back into the community in some form or fashion. Now, banks are not into <clears throat> the banks are not into the market of giving away money. So don't don't confuse this. But banks will do what they call a reinvestment into the community. And one of the things that I proposed to this bank was why don't you infuse money into the credit union? I'm going to tell you where I'm going and why I did this. Why don't you infuse money into the credit union? Because with the credit union, we're doing something that you're not doing. We're teaching members how to become financially savvy. We're teaching them how credit works. We're teaching them financial literacy stance. So in a credit union, we can actually make a customer, our member, become desirable to you, the bank. We will help them build their credit. We will show them how money works, how financing works, which makes them very pliable for you, the bank. And they thought it was a great idea. So we were able to request low interest or either a no-interest loan into the credit union to actually go out and bill the member so now the member can turn around and go back to the credit union. Now, most credit unions will offer mortgage financing, but most credit unions are not holding those notes. So if you notice, when, the, when we had the financial meltdown, how many credit unions did you hear falling? Not many. Very, very little. Most credit unions that were small enough either got absorbed by another credit union or they were able to rebound. But <clears throat> most credit unions do not carry that large debt. So they will offer you mortgage financing, but they will normally sell that mortgage to a, a, a financial warehouse, warehousing service providers um, that can carry that, that, that large debt load. So in going back to this question, if you're going to have the opportunity to be a part of a bank or a credit union, be a part of both. Now, when I was in the car business, <clears throat> I would tell people that if you came to the dealership and you had your loan pre-approved already, I would simply say to you, well, why don't you give us an opportunity, and, and most car buyers, you're going to hear this. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're going to hear this if you're part of a credit union. And you go in, you have your financing already pre-approved. You're going to hear at the dealership, well, why don't you give us a chance to earn your business? If we can finance that car at a lower rate, would you be willing to, you know, do business with us and you can, you know, leave that, leave that money at the credit union and do something else with it later? Well, sometimes you may be able to do that, but I can tell you this. The credit union is not, it, it's, it's a total picture. You have to look at it from a, from a total stance, and, and here's what I mean. I've seen people that have filed bankruptcy, a Chapter 13, debt consolidation, realignment of your debt, bankruptcy, but did not include their credit union account. Okay? Why? Because the credit union, besides the, the, the friendly familiarity when you walk into the credit union of them knowing you as an individual member, most members know what credit unions can do for them. And I've seen people file bankruptcy but not file against the credit union, unlike they will with the bank. 
Because once you have that financing in place, guess what? The bank is not trying to work with you. If you're late on your car note, and in most states it's two months behind and your car can be repossessed, well, with a credit union, you can sometimes go in and talk to the branch manager or talk to the loan officer, and they're willing to reassess your loan, not get rid of it, but you may be going through hard times. Well, if your credit union is willing to reassess your loan and actually maybe extend it out longer, then your chances are you're going to be more friendly and favorable to the people who are standing in your corner when something happens. In a bank, you're a number. But banks are needed in a sense because with that bank and the credit union combined, you can do things where, you know, you might not be able to do just with the credit union. Now, let me let me let me qualify that. Credit unions are not your little corner store uh lending institutions anymore. Credit unions are major major financial wheel operators. Um, They are actually a part of the whole financial system. So credit unions have just as much, if not more power, than a bank. So being a part of both will help you as far definitely for your credit and for your your being able to have the ability to, to gain loans in the future it's good to have a bank with you. Um, most credit unions, uh, all credit unions, they have to have a, a, a common system to be a part of the credit union, a common interest, be it a bond credit union, be it a, a, an employment-type credit union in a, working with a certain company. But a lot of them, <clears throat> credit unions don't normally go across, even though they're federally insured. You can be a part of that that credit union in any state, but most of the times you'll find a credit union that might be in the state of Florida is not going to be the same credit union in New Hampshire. It's not going to be the same credit union in California. So if you were a part of a bank, say, like a national bank, Chase, for instance, then now you are being, you have the ability to do business nationwide and get recognized nationwide unlike just with your, say, your statewide credit union. So it's a good good idea to be a part of both. But the thing, the you know, my, my thing of what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm impressing upon you or my goal is to impress upon you is to, if you have not, look into credit unions. Um, one credit union that I'm looking at talking to this week, they have, $1.7 billion in assets, okay? Out of that $1.7 billion in assets, $600 million, $600 million are in car loans, and that's new and pre-owned car loans. Out of those new and pre-owned car loans, only $1 million of car loans are in repossession. That's out of $600 million, $1 million in repossessions. Well, even though repossessions are down nationwide, uh, I was reading a report a couple of weeks ago, repossessions are actually down nationwide. If you go to a bank, say, for instance, Cap One or Capital One, the one that we talk about, 
Cap One is, I guarantee you, if you look at the amount of uh, assets they have out in loans and their default rates, their loan default rate is going to be higher than that of a credit union. Again, you're able to go into the credit union and talk to the people there at the credit union, those service providers, member service providers, and they're actually willing to work with you and actually help you reassess some things. So um, you're going to continue to hear me talk about credit unions as we go along. I'm going, I'm going to push, I'm going to suggest, and if you're in, a, in an area and let's say you have no affiliations, go to the credit union and find out what it takes, <clears throat> what can it take for you to become a member. And now a lot of, a lot of credit unions have become wiser. What they are doing is, because remember, they have to have the common interest, what some are doing is creating affiliate companies that are members of the credit union that if you become a part of that affiliate company, you automatically become eligible for membership into that credit union. Now, we're talking about something simple. Where can you go and for $5, for $5, buy a share of something? You can walk into the credit union and you can open an account. Some are as low as 20 bucks, $20, $25. of that share, and this is, this is not just, you know, in one state. This is a part of uh, the NCUA, the federally insurers of the credit unions. $5 will get you a share, one share into that credit union. And maybe another $5 will make you a life member. So out of $10, you now just became a member of a credit union and you became a life member of that credit union. And in most credit unions, if you are a member, then those privileges extend to your immediate family. So your children now become a part of credit unions. And I can tell you, uh, my children are locked in. Um, me being ex-military, being a part of USAA, each one of my children have their own USAA numbers. So when they grow up, they will be able to tap right into USAA because I'm ex-military. I was an officer. So my children are available or have that availability to them. So I implore you to definitely find out about that type of um, business, the credit union business, and become a part of credit unions. Uh, I'm going to continue to push this. I'm actually, like I said, this week talking to some credit unions about doing some things with the books, um, how to legally steer your next vehicle and save thousands. Well, it falls right in line with anything in the automotive industry, uh, credit unions, insurance, uh, do-it-yourself vehicle repair. Uh, so I'm going to be talking to them this week about doing some doing some local stuff here but once it's successful here, then I'm looking at it from a national standpoint um, because my goal is to be definitely an advocate, as I am now, of credit unions, but a big proponent of financial literacy and making sure you stay on track. So, again, take our information. You know, During this show, you can, you can save the number 347-637-1008. That's 347-637-1008. That's our dial-in number, or please, please, by all means, send me an email at the show at legallysteal.info. That's the show at legallysteal.info. Also, check out our blog at legallysteal.blogspot.com, legallysteal.blogspot.com, and you will be able to tap in and, and hear 
the previous shows, of course, you can download it on iTunes. We're on iTunes, and it's free. It's free. Pass the information along. If you're listening to the show for the first time, thank you for tuning in. Uh, hopefully, we're giving you information that you can use, um, the knowledge and skills to legally steal your next purchase. So, stay, you know, definitely stay tuned and follow us as we grow. Uh, those of you who have been listening to the show faithfully and know that I am a go-getter, and my goal is to take this show nationally because, honestly, we need a voice. We need a voice uh, that will take us into into the future with knowledge and power. And I, my goal is to be that voice. So from a national syndicated standpoint, I don't want to just talk about, you know, what goes on in the news. You can tune in to CNN and hear that. But you will know that you'll have a designated location that you can go to uh, every week. And, of course, we started out weekends, but my goal is to turn this into a daily show of, of giving you knowledge and skills, coming from an expert in the industry, coming from a guru in the industry, not somebody that's making a name for themselves, just talking about issues, but coming from a knowledge base that you can, that you can absorb and apply in your own life. So definitely, you know, stay tuned in with us and follow us as we grow. And we're doing this for you. We're doing this for you. Uh, I have a passion about what I'm doing, and I want to spread the word. So you know, my goal is, is syndication, but I plan for you to see me in the, in the coming months, uh, see me as a, as, as a guru on your uh, on your CNNs, on your Good Morning Americas, on your on your MSNBCs, that's my goal, not to maintain a local status but become a nationally syndicated figure that <clears throat> that can or, or who can talk on issues that affect the community. Um, matter of fact, I'm going to put this out. Soledad O'Brien is uh, having a show coming up and it's called The Almighty Debt on CNN. Um, you get a chance, definitely tune into it, take a look at it, because what it's talking about is how we, we, and uh, this is not just black America, but how we as Americans are becoming economic slaves. And this is not something brand new. This is something that has been talked about for the last 20 years of how we've become or are becoming economic slaves to big business. And if you're, not, if you're not paying attention to your personal debt, it's going to lock you into a situation. And I, I venture out to say this from a controversial standpoint, and a lot of people may, may disagree with me, and that's great. I want you to. I want you to, you know, talk with me, send me, send me your questions, send me your, 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 your information, but you're not going to be able to get away from your debt. You can forget about it. And I venture off, and, 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 and here's the controversial piece, I venture off to say that within the next five years, your passport, if you have a passport, your passport will be tagged with your debt. You will not be able to leave the country if you have a large amount of debt. 
So it's nowadays you're seeing people walk away from foreclosures. Well, if you still have that debt there, remember guys, banks are banks are not giving up easy. Even though this, you know, we've had the whole financial industry overhaul, banks are not giving up easy. So you're not going to be able to walk away from your debt, and I'm guaranteeing within the next five years, the next five years, we're going to have something tagged on us. I told you, we're already going to the, the truly extreme credit-based system, but within the next five years, we won't be able to get away from our debt. It's going to follow you around like a bad omen. And if you have it, and if you think I'm, if you think I'm playing, Look at your those of you guys out there and females who have failed to pay child support. It's a state issue now, but if you fail to pay child support, you will lose your business license. Your driver's license can be tagged. You can't get it renewed, and it's already on your credit cards. If you have massive amounts of child support, debt, arrears that you haven't paid, you can't get your passport renewed. So if you're seeing that happening with something like child support, because, you know, in the way our country works, we will do everything in systems. We started out with child support. Well, you can bet that the next thing that's coming down the chute is it's going to tag your child support on your debt. You're not going to be able to get away from it. Also, these companies can file judgment against you and come and take, you know, we've all been – very aware with garnish, garnishments of what can happen, but I venture to say that they will be getting FIFA judgments. And if you don't know what a FIFA judgment is, you might want to look it up. But it's something that they can walk in and you know, and with a judgment and go to seizing property, seizing property to get that debt that you owe. So. You need to pay off your debt. You can't get away from it. It's not going anywhere. It's going to be right there, but I think they're, they're going to make the system even harder for you if you have debt. The best thing to do is get to a point where you're debt-free. And when I say debt-free, I mean the, the, the manageable living debt-free from your credit card standpoint. There are some things that you're going to have debt on. A car is one of those things that if you buy a car new, which, you know, of course, I don't suggest you do. I buy one a year old. But if you're going to buy one, you're going to have that debt attached to you. But that is debt on a depreciable asset, but it's debt that you may need because most people don't walk around with twenty or $30,000 in their pocket to pay for a vehicle. So these are the things that as the show grows, uh, as we get our popularity grows, as we get on more stations, um, more outlets, these are the these are the issues that we're going to be talking about. And like I said, I don't mind challenging the system. I don't mind telling you the way I see it. I'm very in tune with politics and 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 the way politics are working in our community and how it's working against us. And I want to bring it to you from a straightforward standpoint. So if some find me controversial. Hey, challenge me. Let's go for it. Um, because with with your challenge, it makes my listeners smarter, make my listeners more aware of what's going on around them. And financial literacy is the key. It's the key for you living a a debt free life, living a life where you're not worried about con- uh, credit card companies or debt collectors calling. 
So definitely these are the things that, as I told you, like I said, the show is going to transition. We're going to start looking at different things and growing with different things. Um, I definitely want you to tag this and make sure you tune in next week. Again, we're going to have Anna Ribeiro on. She is a, a, a great young lady as far as knowing the, knowing the markets and the finance, and we're going to have her on talking with you. Uh, definitely tag the number so you can give us a call. Call in next week. Anna would love to hear from you um, and see so she will know, you know what type of show that we're working on and who it's benefiting. Uh, and of course, you know, give us, send us your emails uh, at the show at legallysteal.info. Well, guys, it's been great. It's been real. And as always, I love talking to you. And I will be coming to you same time next week um, to give you more information. Uh, I know this week we didn't talk much about purchasing cars. It's now fall. Uh, those deals are getting ready to kick in heavy at the dealership, so get ready. You can go out and you can save yourself some serious money if you know how to go in and put the deal together. Get the book if you haven't gotten a book. Get the book. It's the best $10 you'll spend, and it's a gift that keeps on giving. You can use it over and over and over again, but the goal of the book is to make you a savvy enough buyer as well as a, a, a very smart and in-tune negotiator. So you can negotiate your your best car deal that you can find, but also as negotiations work, the more you learn negotiations, the better you become a negotiating guru in everything that you do. Everything is involved in negotiations. Everyday life is involved with has negotiations involved in it. So as always, I love you. Thank you for tuning in and look. For us next week, same time, same place, beautiful Tampa, and it's the Legally Steel Show at SC Day, and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.